Could you please get your Bibles out or turn them on and get yourselves to the book of Luke, chapter 24. That is where we're going to live. And um, we're not going to have it on the screen in the way that I'm going to speak it, quite deliberately, so you have to have the story in your hands, if that is possible. Luke, chapter 24, starting at verse 13. Um, I wanted to talk, um, share this thought with you anyway, because... Um, some of you will know my job is to go around the country helping other local churches think about reaching students, particularly students that wouldn't otherwise get to hear of Jesus unless somebody told them. And um, I always find it a bit weird if I've not um, done in my local what I'm doing in other people's local churches. So actually, although I did get asked this yesterday, that's actually fine because I wanted to share this message with you anyway. And it is super practical um, about sharing our faith with our friends. All we're going to do is read this bit of Luke as if Jesus is giving us a masterclass in sharing Jesus with our mates. So if you were to read the Bible putting on different like lenses, different glasses into how you might read a story, whereas a couple of years ago I spoke on the road to Emmaus, which is a story, all to do with how we might deal with disappointment. So instead of that, today I want you to put on the glasses of if God can teach me about how to share my faith with somebody tonight, tomorrow at work, on the street later, how does this story help us really practically share our faith? That's the lenses in which we're going to read this. I'm just going to go through the story, super simple, I'm going to keep stopping, I'm just going to notice what might Jesus tell us. Luke, Luke's, uh, I had a conversation with Luke Smith earlier and he said, I, like, I'm really serious in my facial expressions when I preach, but I don't know why. So I'm really sorry, I'm going to try and lighten up. He just smiled at me to be like, remember that you're actually happy about this. <laughs> but I seem to have got a bit intense. Classic mirror. Okay, verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognising him. Pause. Just so you know, the two people that are walking on the road to Emmaus are walking away from Jerusalem. The things that they're discussing is the fact that what you would have just seen if you look in the same chapter of Luke, just before, um, Jesus is publicly crucified. So they have just witnessed a brutal, public, shameful murder. These guys um, would have called themselves followers of Jesus and have their whole hopes resting in Jesus being God on earth, finally sorting this whole thing out where they had been trodden on and spat out and left to the side. They thought Jesus is the guy that's going to turn this thing around. The fact that they just watched this man die has completely thrown doubt on everything they believe about him being God. So they're walking away, probably a bit traumatised, and that's what has just happened before we meet them on the road. The first thing I want us to notice, if we're going to learn from Jesus about how we might share our faith, is the way that he approaches and introduces himself to the conversation. And you'll notice, he doesn't actually say a word. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. Notice, Jesus doesn't step into the conversation and announce himself. He doesn't immediately interrupt them and go and, and just crowbar in a God conversation. He's not super awkward, like your colleagues are making a cup of tea in the break, and then you suddenly walk in and you go, what did I do yesterday? Church is what I did. Let me tell you about God. Actually, in this case, I love it. Jesus, 
just begins to keep pace with the people on the road. He doesn't jump in ahead of them and then do a kind of like, oh, since you're already following me, let me tell you who I am. He also is a creepy Jesus. He doesn't stalk them, waiting for an opportune moment when maybe there's something they mention that will allow him to then go, talking of that, let me talk to you about God. He's not creepy Jesus, and he's not super arrogant Jesus. He just walks shoulder to shoulder alongside the people on the road. So my question to you is, do you have anyone in your life who doesn't yet know Jesus that you just walk alongside, that you actually just mates with, that you keep in pace with? You're not thinking you're ahead of them. You're not creeping out waiting for an opportunity for an agenda. You're genuinely their friend. And you're sharing their story. You're sharing their dust. Who is it you're just doing life with? Who do you walk alongside? Verse 17. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only visitors, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem that doesn't know the things that happened here in these days? What things, he asked. Pause. Comedy Jesus starts to occur here, and he'll, he'll kind of crop up a few times in this story. Um, obviously, Jesus knows um, what's just happened in Jerusalem because it was him, like he was the event. So it is comedy Jesus that he goes, firstly, to ask what they're talking about when your actual God, who knows all of the things, is quite funny. So he's just like, oh, what may you be discussing as if he doesn't know because he's got divine ears. But then secondly, when they're like, haven't you heard what happened in Jerusalem? The fact that Jesus then goes, what's that about then? Tell me. Like, plays dumb, brilliant, comedy Jesus. The point I want to bring up here is less about faking that you don't know something, which is something weird when you think about it. Um, Jesus, the first time Jesus speaks is to ask a question. And the way that Jesus chooses to interact with these people is to actually give them the mic first, give them the floor space, give them the airtime. So my question to you is, how good are you asking questions? And not just the classic um, kind of art culture small talk questions, which actually can be pretty unhelpful for some people, like, what do you do? Which will imply that you must do something, and, and there's kind of a whole, that can be quite difficult if um, you're unemployed, or you actually would rather not be defined by what you do, because that's not who you are, you know what I mean? How are we, how are we asking questions that give other people space to talk first? Because we're so secure, that our voice doesn't need to be the one that's heard. We're so secure that what we believe doesn't need to be the first thing that everybody else has to hear, that actually we give other people a chance to share who they are first. Whilst a small hurricane occurs outside. Go Hazel, go. Uh, I, it's, it's difficult to get into the habit of asking good questions when the norm is, um, how are you doing? And we all go, I'm fine, even though that might not be true. Normally, it probably isn't quite true. And then, oh, what do you do when we're not quite sure where to go? So I try and change the conversation to maybe be something along the lines of, what's your story? Or, um, like, tell me, tell me the story of your week. Or what have been some of the highlights and lowlights of your week? Or just anything that might change the conversation over what you do being who you are and normal British small talk. I just, I'm trying to practice being a better question asker so that somebody can genuinely feel like I might actually care what's going on with their actual life 
I'm not just interested in speaking first. Particularly if they already know me to be a Christian, and there's probably an assumption there that um, for people that maybe haven't made friends with Christians, that maybe Christians have, think they're right or would have something to preach at somebody, to be so secure that you don't even need to say how you are or what you believe, because actually you're so interested to know how you're doing, how the person in front of you is. Jesus just gives them a floor space. How good are you, as a friend, at asking genuine questions, good questions, that give your friends a floor space first? Verse 19. This is their response. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb earlier this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said. But they did not see Jesus. Pause. What essentially happens here is um, Jesus listens to them externally processing what's just gone on. How, how are you at listening? It sounds so stupid, doesn't it? Because it seems so simple. So far we've got to, who are you genuinely friends with? I walk alongside. Are you maybe good at asking questions that get more than just the normal surface questions? And how good are you at listening? It's not actually a complicated masterclass at how we might share Jesus with people when you look at it really basically like this, but how are you doing at listening to somebody's story? One of the most powerful things I've found about learning to ask your questions and genuinely listening to their answers and trying to find out the story is that because we know the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, and he lives in us, when you're listening, you're not just listening with human ears, you're not just listening with all your best ideas as a person, you've got God in you. So actually, you can keep a listening ear out as if the Holy Spirit is also helping you hear what's really going on with that person. So I often ask God, God, what is the story behind the story? Because everybody's got a first answer, maybe. But often, when they actually feel safe enough, when they actually trust you because they genuinely think you want them to speak first and you actually can listen, you might well find some of your friends have remarkable stories. Remarkable stories that either might be a really good reason why they're not at all interested in faith or would never walk into a church building, not after what I've experienced, or why, if there is a God, they'd be super angry at him because this is what happened to me earlier on. Do we ever get a chance to hear somebody's story and then ask the Holy Spirit to give us the story behind the story? What would that look like? And the trouble is, this is when we start to calculate this might involve time. This isn't just going to be a passing, hi, how are you, in a corridor. This becomes creating space to be the kind of friend that listens, creating space to be the kind of person that is interruptible with their life, that gives somebody time. It took like nearly the best part of a year when I was a fresher for one of my housemates to actually tell me the story behind the story. Not just why he believed God didn't exist, but actually um, how let down he felt 
because there'd been a death in the family when he was very, very young, and it made him question whether he should even exist. That took eight months of being his friend, eight months of arguments of him, by the way, it's trying to get into an argument about being a Christian and he's an atheist, and I just wasn't going to play. Eight months of just trying to listen and be his mate before one evening, like classic student time, like two in the morning over a cup of tea, he said, this, this is what I expect when I'm small, and I don't think I should be here. How are we doing at giving the time and listening to the story behind the story? Then verse 25, this is what Jesus says after a fair bit of listening, which is also quite funny. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Pause. There's a time for listening, but um, uncomfortably maybe for some people, it depends what, maybe what personality or approach you have, there is also a time for speaking and telling the truth. Now the trouble is, if you are a Christian, if you already are a follower of Jesus, you know God, you walk with God, Unfortunately for you, you can't be let off the hook because you actually know the way, the truth, and the life. Which means there must come a point when you come across another person who doesn't yet know the truth, doesn't yet know that they are made on purpose, their life matters, that God is real, that they are incredibly loved. There must be a point where you speak up about that. There must be a point where you tell the truth about who you know and that they can know it too. Otherwise, we could just be a very nice counselling service rather than hold the key to the kingdom of God. So Jesus unapologetically says, you've missed something here. Now this story is interesting because these guys have just explained all the hopes that they had as the people of God and how God hadn't come through. And so Jesus takes their story and then says, let me tell you the God story in what you just told me. Now, for these guys, the couple on the road to Emmaus, they, um, they probably, uh, well, they will have known the first like, five books of the Bible that we've got, that they knew the ancient story of God. So, this is remarkable. Jesus then chooses to tell them their own story that they already know, but saying to them, you have missed what the prophet said. You've missed what you've memorised your whole life. Let me tell you where God already is at work and is still at work even now. That's why it says, gosh, you're foolish, like you've missed it. You've memorized what was supposed to happen. This is everything that's happened, you already know. Let me show you where God already is. There's some challenges that present themselves for me in this bit. Firstly, um, I think it's a bit weird, if I'm completely honest, but actual Jesus, right? Actual in the flesh risen Jesus is standing next to two people that are like, we don't know where God is anymore. And at that point, he doesn't go, ta-da! It, it, like, I'm here. It's me. It's all true. Everything you hope for, it's come real. Um, see my scars, that's my flesh. It is me. I'm just, you know, come on. Woohoo! I, I would sort of expect, if I were him, to do a kind of, boom, here I am, moment. I'm right here. So I find it incredibly challenging that Jesus doesn't go, ta-da. He goes, to scripture, he goes to, the, to their story and he starts to talk them through a bit of the Bible, even though he's actual Jesus, actually there. One of the challenges 
and asking the Holy Spirit to give you their story behind the story, is that you actually get a chance to tell somebody when God might be, and they've just not seen him yet. Um, Lauren, when I was saying this, although she's on crash, which is a shame, that's what happened with Lauren before she came to know Jesus, when we used to hang out, um, and she'd tell me her life story. There came a point when I, I just started to realise there were a few dots that needed to be joined up. Times in her life where her life had been saved or utterly turned around. In fact, in one circumstance, um, a Christian charity, were, like Lauren met someone from a Christian charity, but she didn't know they were Christians. But weirdly, I knew the person that set up the charity. So I thank you to say to Lauren, this is going to sound with us, fortunately, Jesus. That person that you met up with every week, who used to tell you things about your life that you couldn't, they couldn't have known otherwise, that's because they know Jesus and they can hear God for you. So the sort of things they were telling Laura that completely encouraged her through a difficult time, completely transformed her journey, that was God. But she didn't know his name yet. She only found out his name like six years later. But we started to realise as we looked through Lauren's story, amazing moments with her granddad of faith, that there was this whole God story over her life that she'd never even known about. Have you ever heard any of your friends' stories? Have you ever thought to ask the Holy Spirit, if you are real God, and if you are seeking out your children all over the world, you're calling everyone home, might you have a story in our friends' stories, even though they don't know you yet? And the other challenge for this bit is that Jesus uses the Bible to share himself. And I don't normally crack out a book when I'm sharing Jesus with somebody. But this passage reminds me, um, there is something incredibly powerful in the words of the Bible. It isn't just a book that is for information. It is God-breathed. Like, there is power in those words. There is power in those stories. Have you ever thought... To, to maybe with a friend find out together what Jesus is like by using the book. The stats for people coming to know Jesus, like what are the top three things that help them come to know Jesus? Up there is being told by a friend or family member and then encountering them through the Bible and then through a church gathering or like a funeral or a wedding or something. Which means technically we need to be friends with people that don't know Jesus, we need to invite them along to our community and we need to tell them about the Bible. Because people are meeting Jesus through the words of the Bible when they find their story in God's story. Big challenge that Jesus used the Bible when he was actually there in the flesh. Verse 28. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Pause. Comedy Jesus again. Anyone noticing? He fakes leaving. I love that. He acted as if he was going further. Like, just, oh, I'll just, I meant to be, oh, I meant to be like, oh, you want me to come in? Absolutely fine, brilliant. Now, although it's comedy Jesus, what we need to notice is that Jesus didn't overstay his welcome. Apparently, he felt absolutely no pressure to somehow see these guys from zero to hero, from knowing nothing about God to fully giving their life to Jesus and being transformed. He didn't, he didn't have any pressure to explain the entire crucifixion and resurrection and leave them in, in a sinner's prayer. He didn't feel any pressure to do that. In fact, he gave them plenty of opportunity to let him walk away. He listened to them, he talked to them, he told them the truth, but he didn't force his way in. We're not like dodgy car salesmen trying to sort a deal out. We're inviting people 
to know the living God who loves them. But it is an invitation, we're not showing them in, we're inviting them. And Jesus himself was prepared to walk away if he hadn't been invited to carry on the conversation. Pressure off. Pressure off. If you feel like you're forcing something, I question whether actually that's that loving. And is that you being an authentic friend? Now be brave. Tell people the truth. But we have to be okay with they might not invite us around for dinner. In this case, they did. Verse 30. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognised him. And he disappeared from their sight. Come Jesus. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Pause. Jesus ate with his friends. He spent time with people. How are you doing? You're not just catching people in the corridor, but actually having someone around for dinner. The scriptures talk a lot about practicing hospitality and not putting meetings together and inviting people around and making sure there's not a need amongst you because of the way you share. How are you doing having someone for dinner that doesn't know Jesus? Not just your friends that do know Jesus. And, and if you can't have them around, like I've got some friends where they can't get to where I live, so I'll do you know, I'll do community and family time, but I'll just do it in their kitchen. I'll just bring my own like saucepans and food. Um, so that's possible. Resources isn't actually an issue here. Are you up for eating with people? And then the other thing is Jesus prays, and it's at that moment that they recognise God. That's a big challenge for us. You, you remember Annabelle's talk for admission like last week, where um, she challenged us about how we're actually using prayer to share Jesus with our friends who don't know him, not just about them in some sort of separate way, but actually using prayer as a way of sharing God. Now, although Jesus is using bread and wine, so that is going to trigger a bit of a memory because of Passover and communion type stuff, right? So we understand there's a bit of memory triggering going on. The last time they saw God do that, that was Jesus. Oh my goodness, it's the same guy. Oh, so we understand there's a bit of memory triggering going on there. But I love the fact that he prays, he thanks God, and their eyes are open. You know, the vast majority of people don't decline prayer. Even people that have absolutely no idea what they think about God and whether he exists or not, seem to think it'd be quite a good thing to be prayed for anyway. Have you offered to pray for and with any of your mates? Have you ever realised that it's okay if you don't have good, clever words? Because it's not really about you. You can pray for them anyway. The amount of times that I've learned the hard way by being all clever and then, and then kind of run out of my good ideas and say, can I pray for you? And that's the moment they burst into tears and told the truth about how they are or encountered the presence of God. And I've suddenly thought, I made that so complicated that all I need to do is open the door and invite God in. Just pray and say, Holy Spirit, presence of God, fill them. Give them your peace. Help them know that you love them. Meet them. How we do with prayer and sharing what we have to give, which is God with people. Oh, and comedy Jesus disappears at that point. Which I sort of imagine a little bit like Frodo putting all the ring in the pub and they're just gone and everyone's like, where is it, you know. Uh, I don't know why he's done that. I've never met somebody who's done that and that's like helped someone come to know Jesus. But if anyone can do that, please come tell me and pray that on me. It's only eight. Verse 33. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem where they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it's true. The Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two told what happened on the way and how Jesus was recognised by them when they, he broke the bread. 
Sharing Jesus, meeting Jesus, helps us share Jesus. When we spend time with God, we realise he might just be good news. He might just be worth sharing. As soon as you have a go at sharing Jesus, and you realise you don't get stunned for it, but actually, more often than not, there is an openness in the world to finding out something more. When you start to realise it, it becomes addictive. It feels very brave if you've not named your Jesus to a friend before. It feels incredibly brave if you offer prayer when you've never done it before. But I encourage you, the moment you step out of your comfort zone and into having to rely on God to do something, you'll notice he's more interested in meeting the person in front of you than you are. And then it becomes very fun, kind of addictive, because you start to see, I wonder what God might do. I wonder how God might meet them, just because I'm trying to be an inviter rather than keeping it to myself. So that is it, really. Just a step-by-step walk along the road to Emmaus with Jesus sharing his, himself with people that didn't think he was alive. Real simple. Walking at the pace with our friends so we're actually sharing genuine life with them. Asking real questions, like good questions that, don't, that go beyond small talk. Listening really well and listening out to the story behind the story. Speaking truth and pointing out where God is already and they might not have recognised him. Not feeling any pressure to force anything on anyone, but being open to eating with people, praying with people, and sharing this thing outwards more and more. All I'm going to do now is simply uh, pray. Pray for each of us to be filled again with the presence of God. Because we don't want to give away any of our own good ideas. We want to give away the goodness of God in us. So I'll just ask for his presence to fill us uh, and ask, I guess, for the gift of faith that as you leave, the next friend you're coming in contact with, into contact with that doesn't know Jesus, you'll just be reminded, I have everything I need because of God in me to have a go at sharing him and not keeping this stuff to myself. Why don't we all stand? And maybe the band will come off like this. never been prayed for in the snow before or you didn't really know what the Holy Spirit is he is the presence of God that comes and lives in us and consistently refills us so you may know Jesus and constantly ask for God's presence to be in you in which case this is kind of more of a refilling and asking for the gift of faith as you share your faith and maybe you don't know God at all in which case um, I'd simply uh, encourage you to go God if you're real meet me as we pray meet me show me that you're real show me that you love me Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are a present and real God, and you are here with us now. Holy Spirit, presence of God, I simply ask in the name of Jesus that you would refill your body, refill your people. Lord Jesus, some of us have never felt confident or equipped enough to share our faith. So I speak with gift of faith, and the boldness that comes with being full of, the, full of the presence of God into you who would fear. And for those of us that feel capable and therefore might well be doing it in our own strength, I ask Lord God that you would remind us that we only have you to give away or it's going to come to nothing. So God, will you refill us with your power and your presence so that we give away something of lasting significance? 
that will actually bring life to the people around us. And for those of us that didn't even know God crazy loves us, loves you so much that he died for you, loves you so much that he's alive for you now, loves you so much that he's inviting you to know him. Presence of God, will you meet those hearts, those people? Meet with your children, God, and remind us that we're so loved, and that is why we share you. Holy Spirit, fill us up so that we can walk this thing out. You fill us up for a purpose. And we pray that our mates would know that purpose. Because we can't help but share you. As we walk alongside those that don't yet know you, we carry the presence of God, knowing that we can meet his invitation. So I speak boldness, I speak faith over our community.